I'm a vampirologist. I teach a course on the queer vampire in literature and film, and a seminar called Demon Desire, about the vampire as a lesbian predator. Okay, I'm a total vampire lesbian freak. What attracts you to the lesbian vampires? I don't know. Uda. Um, maybe it's just sort of like the dark side. <laughs> Welcome back to Queer Horror Cult. We have a very gay episode today. Yeah, we sure do. And apparently a lot of people are into that because as of before last episode, which we recorded before this milestone, we hit 10k downloads. So that's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. That uh, makes me happy. So we managed that a week ago. Yeah, just just uh, you know, about a month before our one year anniversary. Yeah, so uh, we were hoping to make it by at the end of October and it's like, oh, made it by we, the end of September. Did, yeah. Even better. So thanks guys and gals and ghouls. Ghouls and <laughs> Thank you, Crypt Keeper. Everybody. Yeah, thank you, Crypt Keeper specifically and all the other ghouls. We are in the midst of our busy October and we have uh, with us today a guest that we're excited to have on board. Uh, we're sitting here with Nicole, who is uh, currently programming a film series at our local theater that, you know, the cool theater, the non-multiplex and all that. Um, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I guess starting at the start, uh, would you say you've been a horror fan for a long time? or? Oh yeah, probably like, probably like as long as I can remember. I, I used to love, love, love horror movies, but I was terrified of them. I would, like, watch them through my hands, but <laughs> as I got older, I was like, this is the best. Oh, that's so relatable, so though. Like you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was scared of my old shadow as a kid, but yeah. I still love them. Yeah, I had, like, this curiosity and, like, love for it, but I just couldn't, like, couldn't sit through it. It was too scary, but yeah. now we're all good. Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Were there any particular early movies for you that... Um, I remember like watching a couple so there was like the ring which was like the most terrifying thing in the whole world (laughs) (laughs) i was watching it at like my friend's birthday party and we're having a sleepover beforehand and um the phone rang at like seven o'clock in the morning and we were up at that point probably till like four so we freaked out um and probably i think the very first one that i watched my parents took me to blockbuster and i got uh, Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street, Dream Warriors. Oh, Dream yeah. Warriors. Yeah, and as yeah. soon as the girl jumps out of the window at the hospital, I was like, I'm done with this. I'm not watching it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I remember my parents used to rent stuff that it wasn't for me, but when they were out of out of the house, I was just like, oh, oh yeah. time to put on Alien 3. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter that I'm eight years old. Like, I don't think an alien even showed up before I had to turn it off, because I was like, nope, can't do this. <laughs> yeah, like the dread. Yeah. yeah. Or like the soundtrack I always find is like the scary, like the heavy-hitting mm-hmm. scary thing. You need the sound for that. Yeah, yeah score's so important to like build up that dread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it reminds us of the when we did our short, how it we we someone almost threw up watching it, but they said it was because of the soundtrack. And, <laughs> it's like kind of, you yeah. give them a panic attack. And yeah, really. mild <laughs> panic attack. Oh, I still feel 
fucking bad about it. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 it's, it's a compliment, no, I swear. That's good press. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Total six is like, sorry, we didn't mean to, to set you off. Yeah, no, I think it wasn't, um, that was like within a year, I think, of like Raw coming out. And I remember the oh, yeah. director, when she found out somebody like passed out or threw up in theater, she's like, I'm so sorry. And we're like, what do you mean? That's awesome. And then it, you know, s- lower scale, but thick kind of thing happened to us. And we're like, oh, we get it. Yeah, I feel terrible. <laughs> Is there a particular type of horror movie, subgenre, or anything that, like, really speaks to you? Mm-hmm. I really like, like, the psychological horrors, kind of, like, oh, yeah. the ones with, like, a good story. Um, but I also love just, like, super cheesy, like, 70s, 80s, like, gore, just, like, super yeah. fake, bloody, but just, like, it's so fun. Yeah, like, yeah. Dead Alive is probably, like, oh, one of my favorites. Oh, that is, yeah, that's such a classic movie. <laughs> yeah, that's, um... That's one I've shown at parties, and, you know, most of the people there are like, this is the best thing ever. Then there's that one person who's going a bit green, and it's like, nope, (laughs) can't handle it. I had, like, a very specific, like, part in my movie collection that was, like, movies that I'll only show if I have people over. Like, it's just, like, a party movie. Party movie section, yeah. yeah. Like, um, what's that guy's name? Like, okay, it's, it's like, Valentine something. Um... He, he did, like, I think it's called, like, the Vomit Gore Trilogy. Oh, um, Lucifer Valentine? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have, like, his movies. I've never watched them because I'm too scared to. I've like, I'm too grossed out to yet. do it. But I'm like, if I if I have a party, like, this is what I'll put on. <laughs> that, that's kind of what we did with, like, the guinea pig movies from oh, Japan. Yeah. <laughs> friends came over. It's like, all right, we're doing it in our home theater basement. And it's just, you know, we're trying to eat, like, our fast food. And it's like, oh, okay, this is happening. Yeah, we were the guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah, we were the guinea pigs all along. Uh, that's, I think you're the first person I've met who's even known about those Slaughter Moment oh. doll movies, or let alone reference them, so that's, yeah. that's definitely something. I, I'm not even proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. I went through a long phase where I was seeking things out just because of like their not- notoriety or how controversial they are. It's just like, oh, that movie's meant to be really fucked up. Yeah. I better see it now. <laughs> It eventually bit me in the ass, but it's like, you know, it went a long time where I was just like, okay, I can take it, I can take it, and then it's just... Yeah, until you can't anymore, and you're like, "Uh, never again. Well, the first time we hung out was, um, I I knew you had a copy of Solo, and I didn't want to watch it alone, so I was like, can I come over and watch it with you? Perfect first date movie. Hello, co-worker from work, let's uh, let's hang out and watch that. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, fucked up movies unite us all. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that movie, um, like the the writer of like the short story it's based off of, like Marquis de, no, de Sade. Yeah, yeah. I, can't, I cannot say French words. Just like heads oh, up. Oh yeah, don't worry. <laughs> um, in good company. Yes. A lot. He's like there's like Sadian feminism, which Jean Roland takes a lot from in his like film. Autography, so, oh, that's so mm. cool. kind of a fun fact. I can't say I've heard that, uh, <laughs> that phrasing or saying yeah, I, I, when I was like doing a little bit of research, I was like, What? Like, <laughs> no way, but I guess it's in everything. Yeah, like I know, um, Simone de Beauvoir wrote like a defense of the 120 Days of Sodom and the Marquis de Sade, oh, yeah. but I, I haven't read it, I always kind of assumed it was just like a free speech thing or whatever, but that's yeah, that's kind of, I think, where oh, sorry, where it kind of came from, like her writing of that, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, I had no mm-hmm. idea. Ooh, learning! Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you mentioned that you're currently programming a film series. Uh, could you tell us about it? Yeah, so Not Your Final Girl film series is kind of a celebration of contemporary and classic film, providing engaging discourse and cultural reflection of feminist cinema within the binds of horror and genre film. So 
my co-programmer and I, Georgia, we kind of found that, like, historically, the female archetype in horror and genre films uh, falls into, like, sexualization and victimization. And, like, the final girl is a stereotypical surviving female protagonist who is, like, frequently portrayed as an underdeveloped character or, like, an overt sex symbol, especially after the movie's over. And, yeah, we're kind of aiming to showcase films where female protagonists are multidimensional and they're also able to express the emotions that uh, women are so often told to suppress, destroying the preconceived notions of feminine passivity and weakness. So the films that we try to program frame these traits as strengths, and, um, yeah. Cool. I like it. <laughs> no, that sounds like a good angle to come at it with, mm-hmm. for sure. It uh, definitely, like, opens the the door for what you can be screened, for sure. Oh, no, yeah, no, that's yeah. Cool. Yeah, like, last year we screened Goodnight Mommy, and, like, you watch that and you're like, I don't see what you could be talking about, Nicole, but then you, like, kind of think about, like, the themes and, like, what, um, like, what the mother in that film is, like, doing and why she, like, went away, etc., so it's an interesting kind of take. (laughs) What are you screening this year for the film series? Uh, This year we are screening Fascination, um, which is a film from 1979 directed by Jean Rolin. Then we are screening Ms. 45, which is directed by Abel Ferreira. And then Valerie and Her Week of Wonders, which is directed by um, same, Jerome Jarelles, I think. He's, uh, he's Czech, so yeah. I, I don't know how that goes, sorry. Were these films all sort of favorites of yours, or uh, why, why these movies? So... Miss 45 is a longtime favorite of mine. Um, I just find that it's just so good and, like, so kind of, like, cathartic and empowering. Valerie and Her Week of Wonders, I watched, and I just kind of... I always find myself thinking about it over and over again because it's just kind of, like, such a sweet film. And Fascination I actually hadn't seen before, um, Mm. but I was familiar with some of Jean Roland's work and was kind of thinking about that and decided to show fascination after doing some research cool um yeah it runs from october 17th to the 20th of 2019 at uh, metro cinema which is located in the garneau theater and um yeah hope to see you all there do you find uh trying to get one of these series off the ground do you find it difficult yeah kind of like so it's not easy to screen films in edmonton like Mm. at all like it's hard to find a space and when you do find a space it costs so much to like rent so it's nice that metro cinema has like this guest programming kind of option where you can submit and then they obviously like take care of the rental and take care of the distribution fees and then you just get to worry about like programming it and marketing it etc so yeah i mean like it's i guess it's not difficult because it's kind of set up through metro but Mm -hmm. like any other way like screening something in Edmonton is like nearly impossible unless you have a ton of money or a big grant. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that doesn't seem intuitive here trying to get that sort of Mm -hmm. thing set up so that's really awesome that the Metro has this. Yeah it is yeah and then they get to have like fresh programming choices which is always nice. For a while now I've been wanting to pitch Jalloween at them where we watch like Italian thrillers or something. That would be so fun. (laughs) Jalloween wow. I would go to that. Well, thanks for, for coming today to, to talk about the film series. And we're going to catch up with Nicole again uh, towards the end when we talk about 
Jean Roland, is that how it's pronounced? Jean Roland. Jean Roland. Jean Roland. Fascination. But gayness. This is a topic that I'm pretty sure I bounced off of you like when we first decided we wanted to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like this one's been waiting in the wings since the very beginning. Uh, we want to talk about lesbian vampires. Because mm-hmm. that is its own little subgenre. Yes, it is. Mostly French. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, hell, uh, when you get into some of the French stuff, like uh, our last movie that we're going to talk about, that director, Jean Roland, he's done so many of these. Like, his whole thing is, let's get some vampires out there and let's have them make out gaily. Les out a bit. Yeah. Les out with your pez Well, we'll come back to that. We'll think of something. Yeah, we'll think of something funny, (laughs) because vampires and pez are not really related. You probably get, like, Dracula Pez dispenser. That's true. I've seen them. <laughs> Count Chocula Pez dispenser. Where are our lesbian vampire Pez dispensers at? Oh, my God. Yeah, I would love to see, like, a whole line of, like, lips of blood and uh, shiver of the vampire Pez dispensers. Even just a vampire. Like oh, Even if dang. she's straight, like, whatever. Not in my heart, she's not. Exactly. Just <laughs> um, by Dracula. Before we get there, we're getting ahead of ourselves, we should uh, go way back to one of the earliest lesbian vampire movies. We watched Dracula's Daughter, the sequel to Dracula from 1936. And uh, you had not seen Dracula, and I kind of forgot that this is literally like a direct sequel. Like, it picks, picks up, up where, where Dracula the last ends. one ends. Yeah. yeah. So, I've seen part of Dracula, but okay. I haven't actually sat down and like watched the whole thing. It was more kind of like, it was on and I happened to be around for part of it. Like the, you're talking about the old black and white one? Yes. Uh, with Bella Lugosi? That's right. So I remember, I remember the, the eye, like the, the light in the eye, the eye is the glam, I don't know what to right. call it. I, the I, glamour's I, I Exactly. Yeah, I say, I go to True Blood and I just think glamouring. It's glamouring yeah. them. Well, I don't you know, know if they had a different word for it. Up borrowed the whole thing well right? exactly right it's I just i don't know if they gave everything. it a new word or a more updated like i have no fucking hypnotoad hypnotoad yeah yeah um, my favorite vampire being from the 30s this flick 36 i believe this would have been like right at the start of the Hayes code mm. yeah Hayes code was uh started being enforced in 1934 so okay. this would have been at the very start of that yeah so of course any lesbianism is entirely left to subtext mm-hmm Entirely up for interpretation. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, I'd be very surprised if it was the other way around, if this was, like, over in your face. Honestly. Maybe if Marlena Dietrich was involved, she she, <laughs> she would find a way. Ugh, that's a movie I want to see now. <laughs> well, there is that one. I, I can't off the top of my head remember which movie it is specifically, but I'm pretty sure it was her. She handed a rose to a lady and she specifically did that because if they tried to cut it out, then it would fuck with continuity. So they had to leave it in. And, like, she did that, like, knowingly. Oh, I love it. Sorry. Or so, at least that's how the, how the legend has it. I just love it. That's right? fantastic. Yeah. Because, you know, this was back when, like, everybody in Hollywood was bisexual and was just, like, having a really good time. But if I remember, because I saw, I saw this scene and we were talking about it in a class. And, like, she's she's dressed up very sort of, like masculine like i think she might right. even be in like a tuxedo have a hat you know a top hat or something like that i might be misremembering since it's been a few years but i'm pretty sure she was kind of taking on that like gentlemanly role mm-hmm. and was kind of um you know flirting with the lady yeah, and no. then plant- yeah i yeah, made it so it's like you can't cut this yeah or i mean that's great because in that time period it sounded like 
everyone in Hollywood was gay or bi yeah. or, you know, like... Men and women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is the Hollywood that I want us to go back to. My nostalgia is <laughs> for the queerness, not for the, for the when men were gentlemen and ladies yeah. were dames and, you know, like the shitty nostalgia that people mm-hmm. often say. We're dames in, a, in, a, in another way. Mm-hmm. We're dames with, all, with everybody. <laughs> now, Dracula's daughter opens with and here's some spoilers for Dracula, but sorry. He did. Uh, he did. Yeah. Um, and Van Helsing is in shit with Johnny Law because he's standing there and it's like, hey, what happened to this dead guy? And he's like, oh, I stabbed him with a stake. Just like matter of fact, like, I did it. Yeah. It's me. And it's like, oh, so you're a murderer. It's like, you can't murder someone who's 500 years old. He's already dead. Ooh, he's mic dead. drop. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they don't really buy it as a mic drop so much as this dude's out to lunch. Yeah. So they're just like, hey, man, you need to plead insanity or we're going to hang you. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, well, but I'm not insane. They're like, okay, I know that. You know that. But maybe God knows that. But... <laughs> well, the jury's never going to go for it. Yeah. The public, especially not. Yeah. And uh, just like you murdered want... a dude from Transylvania. Like, is that a hate crime? Oh, shit. That is totally a hate crime. <laughs> it's uh... that's definitely a line in the movie. Yes. Yeah, I took it straight out. Meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, Dracula's body goes missing, and we find out that his daughter, who we don't quite know is his daughter yet, but she drops that mysterious lady, mysterious uh, with lady. very thin eyebrows. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and a fancy ring. Um, she she's uh, in town, and she's like, "I must see the body of Dracula. Let me see Dracula's body. I need mm-hmm. to I need to gaze upon that daddy, but like not in a sex way, in a literal like that's my dad." <laughs> um, and sure enough, she has the curse of vampirism as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where you get gay with this movie because the vampire is like one of the most overtly sexual sort of like monsters. Mm-hmm. you've got there and when i say overtly i mean like in this way that it's just subtle enough that you know people can wave their hand away and be like oh you're just reading into it you're being freud and yes. all that but at the same time it's but compared so to other sexual. monsters yeah, yeah. well yeah, yeah it comes to you in the night attacks you feeds penetrates you, you and feeds on you like yeah yeah i like how <laughs> usually just like, men that's, on women i like, like it's like that's so obvious it's like what does that say about us and our interpretation <laughs> of sex <laughs> But it's just like, but it was very predatory feeds way. On you. Yeah, like it's, it is very predatory, but it's like sexually predatory. I mean, it makes or sense. Sex, sexualized predation. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because if you think about sex without eating, it's like, what's the point? <laughs> but um, <bum. laughs> um, yeah. So with that in mind, the character, the the, the Dracula's daughter in this is still doing those vampire. Uh, Wiles using the like the charming them with mm-hmm. the stare. She uses a ring to charm them, and all that. She's still doing it to women. Yep. Like the very first victims, this dude, and that part is relegated entirely off screen. She's just like, oh hey, I'm creeping on this dude in an alley, and it's like, oh okay, and then fade to black. Mm-hmm. The first time we actually see an attack, she goes and gets her her assistant. I was about to say Morpho, but that's a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that too. That's a different movie we watched. Um, gets the assistant to go and find her uh, young woman wanting a model specifically. And it's like, bring this lady back to model for me so I can gaze upon her. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that's another thing. Like the art 
world look the way women mm-hmm. as captured in art mm-hmm. it's so fucking sexualized too we john Berger. ways of seeing r.a.p king <laughs> he died a couple years ago <laughs> oh, okay, okay yeah i remember he passed away and it was just like oh that's that guy he had ways of seeing mm. it's, it's classic good to know ways i of think seeing. it was I'll um that down. yeah <laughs> i think it was originally like a televised thing but you can get like the the transcript, I guess, for lack of better word, is also like there's a written version right. available, okay. and it's it's really great. Cool. I think we we talked about it before for sure. It's it's ringing a bell. Yeah, that's for sure. He's the one who said. I, I'm pretty sure it's it's him who said. Um, you know, you paint a naked woman because you want to gaze at her body. So you paint, and then you paint a mirror in her hand and title it Vanity. Oh, that's that dude. Yeah, okay. that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he knew what he was talking. He knew about. what was up. But yeah, so in Dracula's Daughter, we've got this same kind of setup going. But it's this woman that's just like, pose for me. I need you to strip down so I can see you. And mm-hmm. like gets her into her underwear. And then... Like pulling your bra straps down. Seduces her to attack her like a vampire would. But yeah. that whole glamouring and the way that Dracula's like, I want to suck your blood. And like mm-hmm. does all that stuff. It's always a seduction. Like mm-hmm. that's how it's always... Oh yeah, vampires delivered. are very sexy. <laughs> well that's how they're so often portrayed like especially in the 2000s like with twilight and all these things like everyone was horny as fuck for vampires that's true like that was a big one i was more teen horny but teens are still really horny just they they haven't quite teens figured out. horny what, what? yeah but, well, I never. but especially for girls it's usually expressed mostly as just like shrieking and screaming and like yeah. oh my god i'm so like overwhelmed like, right now kind of to- yeah, yeah 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 or like any boy band really which is explained as, like, well, yeah, girls aren't allowed to be, like, sexual, so how do they, do like, get rid of all this, like, pent-up, like, oh, my God, they fucking mm. scream. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, okay. When, I, when that was explained yeah. to me, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting to, that makes uh, sense. to think of it that way because... Uh... Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, other than the odd thing, like, 30 Days of Night and certain things where they really explicitly try to make vampires monstrous... Right. ...and not sexy... Most of the time, they're, like, pretty good-looking. Yeah, for and sure. They, and, yeah, it's a seduction, specifically. It's, not, like, it's, it's predatory seduction, but the seduction aspect is there. They don't just, like, jump out of the shadows like some boogeyman and just, like, bite your neck. Yeah. They seduce you into being a willing victim. That's uh, one of those things that I kind of love about, like, the proliferation of LGBT horror is that mm-hmm. we're starting to see werewolves as sexy. And it's like, yes. that's bear culture all the fuck <laughs> over. And I'm fucking here for it. Yeah, that's we, so fun. other cryptids deserve to be sexy, too. Yeah, sexycryptid.com. Yeah. It's uh, my newest website, sexycryptids.com. <laughs> um, Cryptid tube. But so I think it's worth noting that when she, when, um, sorry, the daughter of Dracula does prey on this woman at this point she is trying to resist like she's talked to the doctor she well she hasn't disclosed specifically like i'm a vampire she's told him like oh, i do something terrible and i need to st- like i you know it's almost it's it's like this addiction kind of thing yeah. where she's like i need like to stop i need the willpower like it's it's this um like very moralistic kind of fight of like the will of man versus right. the the demon or the the substance the addiction with whatever and so he's told her like oh here's how you know just resist it like this this is what we do to alcoholics is we, like, put them in a room with a drink and make them just, like, not drink it for hours. Sounds like a great, great strategy. Sounds like some weird, like, sensory deprivation shit. Sounds kind of torturous. Yeah. But, yeah, he he basically tells her, like, oh, yeah, if you're, like, if you have enough will, you'll triumph, which is, like, so, so just what they tell. 
I never like, trust anything when there's a will involved and they want you to triumph. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, she's like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I need to stop. And so at first, you're thinking, like, oh, maybe she is just going to, like, paint her or sculpt her or whatever art she's doing. But very quickly, it goes from just kind of, you know, aesthetic compliments to, like, oh, you're, like, your hands are so so white and like where's the blood oh you just warm them up and it's like oh bitch we know where you're going yeah it's um interesting a good point that you bring up the addiction angle and her desire to stop because that can be so codified as how queerness is medicalized and pathologized and the sort of like notion that it can be corrected yeah she just needs conversion therapy yeah it's fine like, that's totally how it comes across to mm-hmm. me. Is It's just like, she talks about how she's this monster and she's got this hidden secret, these, this lust, this desire that she can't control. And it's like, she's talking about vampirism, but she's also talking about lesbianism. She's talking about devouring women. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's just, uh, it doesn't take much to see the subtext there. Mm. And I, you've got to wonder how much of that was intended. Right. Or, like, is it one of those things that, we had to get around the Hayes Code, so this is how we did it. Or is it one of those, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 where the director's like, this is gay? What? <laughs> or, alternatively, third option is, did they put it in there subtly and we're actually trying to condemn That's lesbianism? a good point, too. It's, or, I, I, yeah. yeah, specifically lesbianism. Even if it, it was, like, intentional subtext, or, well, it doesn't what mean they, they were saying being, about Yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean they were being like, oh, check this out. Oh, yeah. They might have been like, yeah, this is, like, dirty no, and disgusting. That's a, great, and, that's a great point, because from our perspective, we would read a movie like this as this is what society thinks and that's wrong mm-hmm. as opposed to like, this is how she is and that's wrong. Yeah. Which like, is like, like, this is really... how society thinks and they're fucking right about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that's not the case, but it's a possible option. It is. It's it a is. possible option, you know, option three. I don't like option three. Me either. <laughs> I don't want to go through door number three. Fuck no. that door. what do you think of this one? I liked it. I am um, that scene with, with the girl that they pull off the street to be the model, I thought that was, like, that was a really great sort of, like, example of, I guess, like, seduction without it being explicitly or, or overtly, like, in that very, like, haze code kind of way yeah. where you're like, oh, we're going to sneak in as much as we can. And it's almost, like, more powerful because of that. Because it doesn't, it can't rely on so many of the really, like, classic, or not classic, but, like, I guess go-to kind of things that you can get away with today. Right. That it's because they had to put that much more work into it to make it seductive. It's almost like that much more impactful or profound or whatever word you want to use to describe it. It kind of reminds me of the uh, relationship being built in uh, The Haunting. But like the the old one that it's like, Mm -hmm. same kind of deal. It was still under the... You're like, so Theo's still gay, but Hayes Code gay. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Um, but with Do- uh, Dracula's daughter, what do you make of the way this turns in the end, though? Because if we're doing the whole, there's the lesbianism at play and all that stuff, mm-hmm. then at the end of the movie, she kidnaps the woman who's the assistant of the main dude. And by the way, the main dude's a piece of shit in this movie. Yeah, He's always psychiatrist like, or some shit. Abusing and yelling at his assistant. And oh, yeah. it's supposed to come up as almost comical and stuff, but instead it's like, like, oh, you broad, sucks. you, I'm going to smack your ass if you don't tie my tie. Like, no, yeah, that dude just sucks out loud. He just sucks, yeah. yeah. But like, anyway. some of their banter is funny, but most of it, he's just being an abusive asshole. It's it's funny because he's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Like, not in an abusive funny way, but in, like, a look at this fucking clod. Yeah, and, and, she's, and she's, you know, at times kind of giving him as good as she's getting. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, so she gets abducted by Dracula's daughter and then says, I will set her free if you, Mr. Psychiatrist Man, promise to stay with me forever. And it's like, so if we suppose that there's like this lesbianism at play, what do we make of I will give it up for heterosexuality kind of thing? Like, um, Part of it would be that she believes that would be the cure because she's internalized. Well, obviously she's internalized that it's bad and mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be that way. But otherwise, um, I think that's a theme that goes through, like, that is, like, the sort of core theme of the lesbian vampire genre in general is this idea of, like, the evil lesbian vampires take this nice heterosexual lady and then we have to, she has her fun and then she has to get recuperated back into heterosexuality. Right, totally. But in this case, because she's already a vampire. But it's the vampire that's doing the recuperation yeah, no, as opposed it, to Yeah, the, uh, and maybe that's why she fails. That's a good point. And it's interesting that the, the, the heterosexual gone. man that she's trying to recuperate with is a psychologist or a psychiatrist. psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. it's like when you think of the idea of conversion therapy or like mm-hmm. back then when mm-hmm. homosexuality would be considered hysteria, a mental illness. Or kind of like thing. so many different things. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, so they have this this... This very masculine doctor, doctor. A, a stand-in for that for that role. Yeah, because this would have, of course been after the, like masculinization of medicine, because that you know, or at least in terms of um, more like medicine dealing with women. Like for the longest time, you know, childbirth and things like that were very much like women's domains. And right. I'm, I'm talking, of course, you know, cis, very like binaristic, traditional, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But um, at some point, then all of a sudden, birth became like medicalized, right. and actually, with the I mean, now like it's very medicalized, but we also can do so much medically that like can save right babies and mothers' lives in other circumstances where, in the absence of this medicine, we couldn't. But for a while, when um, you know these, and of course, male doctors come in and are like, "This is our zone now," the death rates like skyrocketed. <laughs> Why until they figured surprised? until they figured their shit out, but of course they're figuring their shit out at the expense. Yeah, that's how of they figured their shit lives. out. It's like, oh, they another one died. What did I do wrong Uh-oh, this time? Oh, yeah. Okay, check that off the list. It, exactly right. So don't get them to do a bunch of cocaine as anesthetic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe her her recuperation fails because she she can't be recuperated because she's already too far gone. Like she's she's not the you know the one being seduced and preyed upon. She hasn't crossed the final threshold yet, so she's okay to recuperate. Yeah. Whereas the one who's already there, who's doing the per- pursuing, doing the hunting, doing all of that, she's too far gone. That's interesting. And she's so she yeah. it's like she's this evil that needs to be eradicated. It can't just be like taken from her and she can be recuperated. The whole thing right. has to be destroyed. That's interesting. And then on top of that, she's destroyed by a misfired shot from her manservant who yeah. was like, but you promised me eternal life. Yeah, I definitely thought he did that on purpose. Oh, totally. Um, but it's <laughs> one of those things where it's like this other dalliance into like what could be seen as a heterosexual mm-hmm. pairing. As soon as she betrayed that, she had to pay for it. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Because like she, she she was just using him like, oh, my God, what a man eater. Yeah. She Whoa, deserves to pay. <laughs> Exactly. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of um, gender fuckery and, more not really gender fuckery so much as just, like, subversion and of the roles rejection and stuff, of, like, yeah. proper femininity and proper feminine roles and ladies knowing their place. Right. Kind of thing going on there, and so she needs to be destroyed. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the way it goes with this one, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, spoiler alert again, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a yikes for us. Yeah, at this point, if we're talking about a movie, <laughs> just assume that we're going to spoil it, because... Yeah. We're not going to do it needlessly unless mm-hmm. the discussion, like, if it's not 
pertinent to the discussion. We won't spoil it, but I felt like we kind of hampered ourselves a lot in the beginning Mm -hmm. when it's like, oh, we can't talk about this ending. That's very vital to what we want to say. And especially for like this movie, it's like if we're talking about her as a a lesbian, we have to talk about her death. Yeah, because uh, that's, you know, been a common criticism of like lesbian media post hate's Code and like nowadays where it's just like lesbians can't be happy yeah, one of them tragic. has to die kind of thing mm-hmm. I think like well of loneliness kind of shit where it's just been going since then mm-hmm. the tragic lesbian so yes i don't know i feel like though that i need a teacher that just says tragic lesbian on it though like, <laughs> we are going to reclaim that term i love it for the living <laughs> i love it but yeah dracula's daughter um i'd recommend it this one we saw mm-hmm. in the uh I have that box set from Universal of, like, all the monster movies and mm. all the sequels and stuff. Like, 30 movie box set. It's, it wasn't cheap, but it was worth every damn penny, totally. in my opinion. Um, yeah, so that's Dracula's Daughter. I uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Would recommend as well. Yeah, cool, cool. The next movie is on the opposite end of the spectrum. If we've got, like, <laughs> the everything has to be subtext and subtle and coded and all that stuff the next one is just in your face to the point where there's not much else happening <laughs> um, we watched 1971's vampiros lesbos by jesus franco aka your boy jess dirty, dirty uncle, uncle jess, jess. <laughs> um i think the thing to, to talk about before we even get into any lesbianism and stuff is the fucking soundtrack oh my god this Holy was like shit this soundtrack. the most like postmodern, like yeah I don't even know, like, it, it was, it was, you know, the sort of, like, porno riff kind of sounding stuff, but it also had, like, Dada-ism. radio yeah. garble over top, like, it sounded like some weird fucking remix from the 2000s and yeah. God knows what, some, it's like some so- guy with a SoundCloud. Yeah, exactly, I could see someone's, like, got some number stations in there, got us, got us some old Soviet transmissions right? kind of thing, Actually, and let's just blast some, like, porno, dirty porno organ, like, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was an experience. Uh, I fucking love the soundtrack. It's excellent, um, yeah, Like, in, but in a weird fucking way. <laughs> uh, Severin Films put this one out, and She Killed in Ecstasy, another uh, Dirty Uncle Jess movie starring <laughs> Soledad Miranda, who was the star of this one. Mm-hmm. And that one, She Killed in Ecstasy, features a soundtrack CD, which is a soundtrack for both that and Vampire's Lesbos. So it was like... Yeah, I, I, I definitely have some of those on my uh, <laughs> on on current rotation on my iTunes. That's nice. for sure. Uh, but fuck, the music is a good uh, entry point, I think, to talking about how surreal this movie is. Like, yes. Yeah, like I don't think we can even give a plot summary because I'm not sure what the fuck happens. Yeah. I remember at some point during it, you're like. I'm not the only one who's confused as to what the fuck's going on, am I? And I was like, oh, God, no, definitely not. <laughs> like, I, I think about 10 minutes in, I gave up on there <laughs> being a plot that's coherent enough to follow. And was like, let's just go with it, man. Like, roll with the punches. Roll with the punches. It's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. It's, uh, a lot of it takes place with the character in a mental institution having these, like, visions and, uh... Mm-hmm weird like flashes to to the vampiric lesbianism and stuff and then like you know like something will be going down some like rug munching or some like weird just like gesturing towards the camera while the camera's upside down and weird porno dirty porno organs playing and then it'll suddenly crash like crash cut into 
her in a mental asylum like, screaming. Screaming and, and moaning doctors. on the ground, and the doctors are like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? So the fact that the movie plays like a fever dream kind of works It does, with that. honestly. Maybe we are the ones in the asylum of our minds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this one has a lot of... I think it... You know, like, there's all... We had this discussion, actually... Last time when we were talking Evil Dead with our friends, but like, where does male gaze end and lesbian gaze begin? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. I felt like this one had a good case for there being a lesbian gaze to it. Oh yeah, because the movie has a lot of that. Like, let's just show her body. Let's have the camera wander over, get all these close ups, have lots of nudity. But one of the earliest ones is when she's doing that stage show mm-hmm. thing, that weird performance art thing, and. The camera is cutting back and forth between the crowd and her doing the performance. But every time it cuts to the crowd, it gets closer and closer on the woman watching. Mm-hmm. So the scene where it's like we see this performance being watched, we're then getting it grounded in. This woman is who we're supposed to focus on. Yeah, the one in the audience We're that seeing is what she is seeing specifically. So it's uh, it very much sets up like a women looking at women mm-hmm. kind of... Uh, dynamic going there definitely and sure it still has a lot of the sort of tent poles of male gaze in cinema i'm not surprised you know given <laughs> given who made the film who made the film <laughs> but it's uh it's actually codified in this sort of different yeah like it's it's in that very like it's i i don't know that i would call it like a lesbian gaze in like a subversive way it seems no more no just definitely like, not yeah like in i don't think that's what you're going for <laughs> yes like definitely in a um oh, we're just going to put a woman here instead of a man. And, yeah. call, and not that this to say that they're going to call it progress, but in that very sort of, like, add women and stir. Yeah, is what for sure. Is what that sort of thing is called. Yeah. Like, oh, we'll just throw some women in, it'll it'll be feminist now, or it'll yeah. be fine. Everything's equal, you guys. Calm the fuck down. I don't think that this is a movie I don't, yeah, that I don't, I don't think, tries to make a claim no, for that. I don't, I don't think Dirty Uncle Jess was like, this is a feminist movie. Yeah. This is my my ode to feminism. Feministas unite. Yeah. No, didn't you say he's gone on record to say he has never made a good movie? Yeah, according to his IMDb page, he hates his movies. He's like, I've never made a good movie. And didn't he make, they like, all suck. 180 or he something? He made, uh, yeah, close to 200 movies. <laughs> Holy um, shit. Ranging from, like, weird, softcore Euro thrillers to like, hardcore pornography. But, I mean, have you ever come across an artist who doesn't hate their own work at some point? So maybe... It's relatable as shit. <laughs> yeah, so maybe... By him saying that, he's actually playing some, like, five-dimensional chess and in a really roundabout way is actually saying, I am a masterpiece. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Uh, Given how, especially, um, not that he didn't get respect in life towards Mm -hmm. his later days, but he did pass away within the past decade, I want to say. Okay. Um, He's fairly prolific, or his movies are fairly prolific on the sort of, like, niche boutique or mm-hmm. boutique uh, like labels and stuff cult labels and yeah. stuff like Saturn okay. Films has put out a bunch of them mm-hmm. and they're not the only ones so right. it's not hard to run into a bunch of his movies hell there's movies I've seen where his name pops up and it's like I had no idea he did this one well yeah he's okay. made so fucking many it seems like if you're into like cult films and horror and stuff you're gonna come across one eventually or at least the chances of it yeah. are substantially higher than Somebody who's made like three. I'm still warming to his work. Like they're not my favorites, but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm still warming to him. I'll just Mm -hmm. put it that way. It's uh, if you if you ask me to pick between uh, a Jess Franco and Joe D'Amato, I'm probably still in the D'Amato camp, but barely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
But anyway, you know, this is a nice slice of Euro sleaze, even mm-hmm. though it was, it's hard to really talk about because it was hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one, she has, the Renfield character has this dude named Morpho, <laughs> and he's got, like, this black turtleneck, feathered hair, and, like, these huge-ass, like, bug-eye sunglasses. And it's like, this dude looks like a total fucking mod. And it's just like, <laughs> Morpho, my mod, my mod bodyguard, go in. My mod band slave. Yes. <laughs> Manservant, sorry. He probably yeah. gets paid. Yeah, go go ahead and uh, fuck this dude up on the staircase and stuff like that. It's just like, you know, anytime yes, something bad lady. is about to happen where it's just like, I've got you now. It's just like, Morpho, come! And Morpho just runs in his like, strangled Yes, people. mistress! Uh, it's fucking great. Um, <laughs> Much like, he, he, he is, he is uh, Europe's Pavi. What was his name, Pavi? The dude from Vampire Hookers. Oh, Pavo. Pavo. That, sorry, I'm thinking. Fuck, of, I'm thinking of fucking yeah. like a uh, repo Pavi. Oh, <laughs> Pavo. I fucking love that guy. Yeah. Um, shit. So, yeah. Except that you know the the European you know Morpho's too classy to fart all the time. I guess. Yeah, apparently. She left out a bunch of silent but deadlies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just farting all the time. Um, Off screen. This is one of those ones that. I think I'm going to have to rewatch mm-hmm. at some point at some to point. really understand what to make of it. Yeah. Uh, there is some lezzing out in there, which is like, okay, cool. This is a thing. But how much of it is that sort of like porny meant mm-hmm. for male viewers kind of thing? It's kind of hard to to gauge exactly. Like, I mean, we know the markets that Jess Franco was working in. Mm-hmm. So I am, I imagine his first take wasn't like, ah, oh, yes, the lesbian horror fans are going to flock to this movie. <laughs> um, what are lesbians anyways, if not just tropes to draw in dudes? Yeah. Well, I mean, they play, they play up, uh, cause you'd mentioned the vampire being the threat to heterosexuality and they play that up with, Oh god, did they ever in this one, one where like she talks about it's like I hate men, they disgust me and like has monologues about why men are the worst. <laughs> and it's one of those things that it's like, yeah, you're really trying to set her outside the uh It's a man hater. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sandry. Yeah, so she the... she's she's probably supposed to be weird for that, but of course I'm watching that. I'm like, that's oh, gonna be running a Facebook cover photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that's so interesting watching a horror film as like an outsider viewer. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like I don't mean outsiders horror fans because I'd say mm-hmm. this is the genre for for me for mm-hmm. sure. Like, I feel firmly a part of it, but at the same time, not being in the dominant part of like mainstream society, watching these movies, all these things that are probably meant to be controversial or this is how you see they're bad, they're the wrong character in this mm-hmm. thing. I'm just like, oh, legend. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think I've brought this up before too long time ago, but Bell Hooks has, um, has written something about that where as like black women watching movies and seeing like, just like the absolutely fucking ridiculous and often like really kind of dehumanized ways they're portrayed. Right. But watching that and kind of having that same reaction, like, holy shit, what's going on? Like just almost finding it like comedic or right. in some way, like they still enjoy watching it, but even though it wasn't intended for them to see or for them to appreciate, still finding right. some kind of pleasure or some kind of enjoyment out of it while still like critically reflecting like, yo, this is really shitty, but man, it's kind of fun to watch. <laughs> like, well, I feel like, like how many times have, have we watched like sleepaway camp movies? Yeah. Yeah. Like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think, I, you know, horror would be a great example. Like, and I think other people have probably talked about this specifically, but I think they even talked about it a bit in like horror noir. Right. Where it's like, 
you know, you had how, like, you know, black horror fans in, like, the 80s and stuff, they'd be watching, like, oh, these dumbass white people, like, what the fuck yeah. are they doing? Like, a brother would never do that. Like, what yeah, are you right, talking right, about? Right. So, and that same kind of thing. And then when they, they started seeing more, um, like, black characters and stuff, kind of, depending, because, you know, a lot of times, I mean, it's a running joke even now, especially in more contemporary movies. Like, oh, how about the black character? Go, oh, yeah, the black guy always gets it first, right? Yeah. Like, so, but still, again, finding, even though it's not meant for you as a viewer, you're not the intended viewer, still finding some kind of, like, pleasure in watching yeah. it, even if it's just, like, to make fun of it or something, or just laugh at how big of a farce or how ridiculous it is. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, when, yeah, we're yeah. talking about kind of coming in as an outsider, it's like, yeah, yeah you can still find ways to, to enjoy it. Yeah, because... E- even if it's not for you. Because I feel like with any of the movies we're talking about, we can't really say that, like, as, like, you know... These are the these lesbian horror movies are made for lesbian audiences. Oh hell no! Even though, you know, it is us coming from a queer angle that has that extra level of appreciation for mm-hmm. the movies. It's it's almost incidental. Like the authorial intent is incidental. Yes. To uh, our takeaway from it, but mm-hmm. you know the whole author is dead thing. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, he is. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> What about this one? What did you think of this one? It was weird. I um I did like that they kind of um you know being a Euro sleeves thing, they kind of went out of the usual stuff and they, they a lot of the movie was in took place in Turkey. Yeah. Which was kind of cool. cool. Yeah. That was that was a change in scenery. It wasn't just, you know, on the like French Riviera or yeah, some right. like really glamorous European kind of type. I mean, I know Turkey is like I guess part of Europe. I think of it, you know, from classics. It's it's Asia Minor. Right. Yeah. It's so it's still it's sort of that like east, east meets west kind of point. Yeah, culturally speaking, it's not the same as talking about like Western Europe. Exactly. Kind of thing. But it's also not the same as talking about like East Asia. Yeah. It's sort of kind of a bridge between the two. Yeah. And so it's a really interesting kind of mix of like, well, there was Roman stuff here, but there was also obviously like Ottoman stuff. There's Islamic stuff. Like it, it's such a like the architecture, the like the art, so many different things. It's a really cool kind of like cultural mosaic. To right. you know, borrow from Canada's ridiculous term. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not a mixing bowl. Or no, sorry, we're not a melting pot. We're a mosaic. Makes yeah, me what? just think of like a grandma's shitty quilt kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just gonna crochet some culture. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that that change in setting was 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 definitely interesting. Like, I mean, Turkey's a beautiful fucking country. I've never yeah. been. I would love to go. All the right. photos I've seen are stunning. So yeah, that was nice to see. Yeah, change of, of setting, I guess. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. getting to... I always love seeing movies that, you know, take me to places I've never been but would love to see. Yeah. So that was that was really interesting. I don't know if there was anything deeper there. If they were just like, yeah, Turkey. It's cheap to we film. Can film there, yeah, we yeah. can film there, sure. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, I liked that about it. That was different. Yeah. Um, okay, so this one, I found it... I kind of had trouble with it as a vampire movie because like she sunbathes naked and stuff like there's there's none of the like night you know lady of the night kind of yeah she's not she can only exist in the shadows you know creeping around looking for women like she's always very um loose with it well maybe that's just it rather than having to literally be in the darkness that's something Mm -hmm. about like her she can just go to turkey instead but like her sexuality it's like it's you know, yeah. she, she's seen as like the man-hating outcast. That's true. So that's why she can go in the sun is because she wears her misandry on her sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say misandry that, you know, is SPF a bajillion trillion. 
Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord. But was, yeah, no, when we were watching it, I was just like, is this vampire lesbian or is this just like lesbian blood play? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, cause they're, they're, this is just like lesbian cake 101. It's like, we're going to get into the rough stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there will be some blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but then I mean, it's the vampires lesbos is right in the title. So yeah. that's obviously what they were going for. It's not like, you know, our, our vampires episode where it's like, are they? Aren't they? Yeah. Like, I feel like this could fit in well with that. But at the same time, they're explicitly in the title being like, yeah, vampires. Yeah. Lesbo vampires. Right. So... Hmm. How about you? What's your your take? Like I said, I want to watch this again. <laughs> I do. Um, I, I do too. But but wait a while. I enjoy this one in the way I enjoy a lot of like Eurosleaze kind of mm-hmm. movies, as just as much as like a cultural document for like this was a time period in filmmaking, and I thought that that was a uh, it fit in so well. It was nice to see one I hadn't seen before mm-hmm. because I think any horror fan who's really dived in. And it feels this way, but it's like at a certain point, I'm running out of new things to watch. Right. What do I? Yeah. What? Are, where are the classics? Where are the ones that I'm going to like? Especially new things from a period. That's because yeah. obviously there's new stuff coming out all the time, but it's not. Yeah, but the like old it's not the school, same. new to me kind of. Yeah, thing, yeah. exactly. Like yeah. a new '80s movie or a new '60s movie or like you know like yeah. of a very kind of period. Like you can have obviously contemporary interpretations. For but sure. There's something to be said about seeing a text that was of that period, not just mimicking yeah. or calling back to, or, you know, nostalgia, whatever. Yeah. And this was one of those ones that I'd always heard about. I'd had it sitting on my shelf for a while, but I'd just mm-hmm. never gotten around to it. Um, I think part of why I didn't get around to this one is because I lent it out to oh, a friend yeah. shortly after I got it and just kind of... Recently got it back? <laughs> yeah, which, you know, was fine and all that, but mm-hmm. it's one it of that it's like, okay, it's about time to get around to watching <laughs> this fucking movie. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I think this whole week, for the most part, I would uh, have like a sort of if with or a but with any of my recommendations of the things we watch, mm-hmm. because it's like, they're good for what they are, but you have to kind of be into that sort of filmmaking. Or, and, and know what you're expecting. Yeah, because if you just... I uh, know what to expect. It's not like, say, a Dawn of the Dead or the thing where it's like, yeah, I get the appeal right on the surface. I can gladly mm-hmm. recommend this to anyone that's just like, what's a good horror movie? Right. Um... But if you are into that sort of, like, Euro trash cinema, that sort of uh, off-the-beaten-path, it's kind of, if you don't mind movies that's that do away with logic and just, like, mm-hmm. we're just going to do this because it looks cool. And honestly, away with any sense of, like, highbrow or, like, cultural capital or anything. Yeah. Like, it's trash. Yeah. And it, it I'm pretty sure, it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. It's fun trash. It's fun trash. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, back to that, I, I, like, it, it's definitely not like, oh, yes, I'm watching European cinema. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Let Ingmar me stroke Bergman. my mustache. Exactly. It's, it's not like that. <laughs> so, temper your expectations. Make sure you're in the right mood. Our third movie, I think, is probably a little easier to crack into, and I'll probably <laughs> recommend first. It's from the same year. It's called Daughters of Darkness. It uh, was put out by Blue Underground. Uh, Blu-ray looked pretty damn good. Uh, movie, of course, it's on an old print. It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine that this is one I won't be surprised if down the road they do one of their fancy 4K restorations on. Oh, yeah. Just because uh, the stuff they're turning out now looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, they could do their whole catalog, and I think it would be money well spent on their part. This is true. Um, 
This one felt like the most blatant of what you were talking about earlier about <laughs> the uh, lesbian vampire as the outside predator and the straight person sort of dallying in that, like, you know, moving beyond, and then they have to be recuperated. She's dip she dipping her toe into it, but they gotta try and recuperate her before she plunges in. Yeah. But this one, they, they, they plunge. Oh, yeah. And I really liked that about this movie, where, mm-hmm. you know, the recuperation is there, but it's a failed recuperation. Oh, yeah, is it ever? But, well, half failed. They, like, the, the uh, you know, original... The Batari, so like classic, classic lesbian vampire. Yeah. Um, she's vanquished. That's true, that's true. But she's subsumed or taken over by... As you put it, she got single white female. <laughs> she did. She did, absolutely, by the other person. Yeah. And I'm just like, why'd you have to kill the like hot, evil lady? Okay, well, we're probably getting ahead we of ourselves. We are getting ahead of ourselves. Um, this movie concerns this couple... Uh, they're in Switzerland, or I guess they're in Belgium now because they talk about being like in Bruges. Yeah, and, and stuff there's like, like Flemish speakers, um, and yeah. But they eloped, I guess, got mm-hmm. married, and yeah, that the so the guy he is from some like fancy pants family. I can't remember what his title is, but he's like some kind of not a countess, but or, or I mean, a count. Yeah, some, some kind of some kind of shit like that. Like he's from some like rich fancy family and he eloped with this, you know, some like pretty blonde nobody. And, you know, he's like, oh yeah, you know, how are we gonna tell my parents? And she's like, well you have to tell them. He's like, well my mom's already gonna hate you and like hate you on principle. And at first I thought they were like alluding to the idea that she was like a sex worker or something because it was like oh, this okay. like because it was sounding like, oh well, she already hates you without knowing what you are. And like this, like, so I don't know if that was just a class thing, like, you know, oh, you're from, you're not from our class, so therefore you're scum, or if it was like she has a, she was a fallen woman who was picked back oh, up. Okay, because I didn't pick up on that. Um, yeah, so I wasn't that's, sure what they were going for for that. Because I just assumed it was either a class thing or a sort of, my mother's not going to like anybody. No well, that, that what. too, yeah, like, but especially if it's not some like countess that she handpicked herself or something. Right. Like, for political purposes or whatever. Right. So they go to this hotel. They're sort of stuck there overnight because... Uh, they, like, miss their train. They miss their train, and at the same time... Husband is not in any rush to get home. Yeah, no, he seems, like, chill with it. Yeah, he's like, like I don't want to tell my parents anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah, what is that fucking little, like, move he pulls where it's just like, I'm going to call my mom and tell her right now. And he's just like, excuse me, bellhop, call this number, handing him paper, and the paper just says, like... Say there was no answer on and, it. and then slides him like slides him money, money and he's just like mm-hmm. he's like sure sir certainly yeah it's just like oh wow but yeah they're in some seaside resort in I don't know if it's where it is like, if it's Belgium or I don't know somewhere in that kind of area well they mentioned Ostend Ostend okay yeah I don't know where that is me neither <laughs> um anyway so it, it, they're in this like seaside kind of town in the middle of winter so it's pretty dead yep. It's like, yeah, it's it, it's not tourist season, so they're like the only people staying at the hotel. Um, so they can, you know, can have the the like primo luxury penthouse, whatever the fuck you want to call it, suite because there's like nobody else there. Right. So go for it, guys. And yeah, they're kind of like, oh, I guess we're kind of stranded here, but we'll make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe take some day trips to Bruges and stuff. Yeah, what the fuck is that when they go on the day trip and find... Because there's a slate of murders going mm-hmm. on. There's like a slew of them. and Of beautiful young women with their blood entirely drained. Yes. But they have puncture marks in their necks. 
I wonder so what's mysterious. Happening. But they, when they get to uh, Bruges, they stumble across a murder site as the police are there cleaning up, and there's mm-hmm. like a crowd of drawn all stuff. The dude looks like he's rocking a fucking chub while he's like looking at the well, dead he's a woman. He's a up fucking movie. creep. That's asshole. what I was wondering. Was this is this movie like a commentary on how like like rich people are perverse and fucked up, especially like European royalty aristocratic with all, aristocratic with all of their like inbreeding and like <laughs> shit like that like you could, you could tell it's like this guy like a proto-purger oh totally yeah yeah like yeah. his his kids or grandkids are probably like oh like they probably traveled to america or mind you, he used to, he he like because he's from switzerland but he grew up like that he went to school in america yeah so he's very like Multicultural. He's yeah, that's a better word. Worldly. Yeah. And so yeah, you know, speaks English really well. Sounds like an American. How convenient. They probably cast one. Uh, But yeah, he. So it's like he would be the kind of guy who either him or at least his kids would like. You know. They'd purge. They'd go purge. They travel to the U.S. to purge. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, But at this hotel, this uh, countess shows up with her young i was gonna say boy toy but it's like no no lady friend lady friend. gal pal gal pal her assistant her assistant gal pal. Her, her good friend her good friend <laughs> um, for so long shows up and the request- bell hops immediately just yeah. like whoa i recognize you You look exactly like you did when you're here 40 years ago and she's just like that's bullshit you're, you're she's crazy. like what are you talking about he's like oh yeah i remember it like it was yesterday she left quite an impression her name was elizabeth batori and, and she's, she's like, like well that's, that's my name. name like you're really playing with him and he's like oh, it can't be you haven't aged a day and she's like maybe it was my mother yeah <laughs> like she's fucking with him and it's hilarious but they uh spy the couple across mm-hmm. the fucking hotel lobby uh, as like the only other people there, and they're she's just like immediately enamored. Like I need to get up in their business. She's like, they're perfect. They're perfect, and so she does this weird. It's almost like a weird sex game kind of thing where it's like I'm gonna turn this into a triad because that's how I get off. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck shit up and make people miserable. And it couldn't have, as far as the dude is concerned, it couldn't have happened to a fucking Nicer less human person. Like, that yeah. person, uh, the dude beats his wife with a belt. He sexually assaults and attacks both his wife and Elona. Uh, um, he's a piece of shit. Oh, yeah, he's an abusive he fuck. He gets off yeah. on the murders in the paper. And, and then he gets off on, and because she's, um, the countess is talking to the girl, like his wife. And she's like, oh, yeah, so, like, what goes on there? And she's like, oh, it's so perverse. Like, I feel terrible. And he's, and she's like, oh, you just don't understand how he loves. But then later is like, you know, like, he's like any man who just wants to, like, make a fucking object out of women. Yeah. It's very critical kind of, like, where she's not all right being like, oh, men are disgusting and I hate them. But she's saying it in a much more, like, aristocratic way. Like, oh, yeah. yes, they're just, they're just looking to make objects out of you that they can fucking and chuck kind of thing. Yeah. So... But obviously in a way classier way. She yeah. says it of wording. Yeah. Uh, but everything kind of comes to a head when the dude accidentally kills Alona, the uh, gal pal. Mm-hmm. Um, After, say, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, accidentally. I say accidentally because sure, it was an accident technically, but I mean, the accident only happened because he was like assaulting her. Yeah. And like throwing her in the shower when she didn't want to go and was like grabbing at her and mm-hmm. struggling with her. When, when she, she explicitly was saying no. Shower. Yeah. And she was there specifically because the countess told her to while she went to go off and like, you know, seduce. The lady. The, 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 the good heterosexual lady. Yes. 
So part of it was part of a scheme, but I don't think Countess really gave a shit what happened to Alona because no. she's like, and Alona knew that. Like, she's like, oh, you need to free me. I can't stand it. Like, she's so jealous of. Yeah. Because she's like, this girl's perfect. Yeah. But then uh, after they bury her in the beach, uh, we're left with this trio mm-hmm. sort of thing. There's the Countess, there's the woman, there's the man. And um, this is where it kind of, I felt like, sort of spins the what you're talking about with like the whole like Carmilla the vampire sort mm-hmm. of uh, old story where she's gone away into the lesbian dark other and by she I mean the wife yeah and now she needs to be recuperated back to heterosexuality mm-hmm. because that's what the husband basically tries to do it's like come on we're leaving yeah and you're coming with me and you're doing what I say because you're a woman and I'm a man yeah he basically says, you're, like, my, you're my so I get to say right yeah. and she's just like no fuck you yeah and so he basically loses his shit and tax them and the Countess suffocates they him with, suffocate a, glass him with bowl. a thick glass crystal bowl. And then he grabs it and breaks it and hits his arms. He on hits the both wrists on and it. They, the bowl have to bounce back at him and cut his wrists open in like the most contrived sort it's of like whoopsie. Awesome. <laughs> it was a great little moment. It was. And but yeah, so, it's, it's this very like it. You know, you you're talking about the sort of like. Um, you know, both sides are warring for the, you know, the so, the eternal soul or whatever yeah. of this of, of this heterosexual ingenue. Yeah. But in this case, it's literally like you see both sides visible, and it's almost like a tug of war yeah. happening. And it, it's it makes me think of that. Uh, it's a kind of you know classic like almost well now how it's used love triangle. I know the original would be like person A is attracted to person B, who's attracted to person C, but person C is attracted to person A. It's yeah. sort of like the original. Whereas the, in this one, it's like two sides. Two potential mates wanting the same person, yeah. you know, in a very Twilight Hunger Games contemporary kind of yeah. way. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's this tug of war between being gay and evil and being straight and abused mm-hmm. in this case. Um, so it's kind of cool to see her be like, I'm going to be gay and evil. She's like, I'm going to be gay and evil, but I'm also making my own decision. I, I, I know who I'm picking. I'm choosing me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, Being gay and evil. <laughs> and then, of course, when uh, the dude gets all fucked up, they immediately are just like, well, waste just not chuck one him off not. the window. And it's like they chug his blood. Oh, yeah, the, the blood. <laughs> and then they just wrap him up and chuck him off the fucking roof, <laughs> only go. to, like, throw him in the trunk and then throw him in a shitty bug. <laughs> and it's just like, he becomes yesterday's trash kind mm-hmm. of thing. And given how trashy of a piece of shit he is in the movie, and, like, the movie very much shows him mm-hmm. as such... Um, we're not just projecting here. No. Uh, but given how much of a trashy piece of shit he is, it's a fitting end. It is. But then uh, the Countess places much too much trust in her lady friend. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's in part also, like, her 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 fate is in part because she was so... I mean, it, it's because she's an evil lesbian, let's be real. But also maybe you can get a little bit there for how she just, like, betrayed Alona. Yeah. And, like, finds her dead and is just like... Well, let's get rid of the body, guys. Like, yeah. she doesn't even seem to... Like, it, she, she doesn't, doesn't even to, flinch. She's not upset. Like, yeah. she's not... She's just like, oh, yeah, okay, collateral. Like, it happened. It's fine. Yeah. Um, because what happens is as they're driving... Uh, Across the, the border. The Countess is, like, urging the, the woman to go faster because they need to beat the sun. Because mm-hmm. in this one, vampires can't be out in the sun. No, they can't. Um, in doing so, they're driving down this mountain road, it, like, thick woods on either side... And they spin out and crash. 
And the countess goes flying through the windshield and gets impaled on a branch. Yeah, like it's a stake kind of thing. Like it, right it's very heart. much like a burn the witch kind of moment. Yeah, like, yeah, like she gets staked basically. And then the sun and comes out. And set on fire. And it's like, this is. <laughs> the imagery nuts. is not subtle. No. <laughs> but then we get to see the woman has single white female the countess. And is now like repeating her lines verbatim while seducing a, cu- a couple, a nice young heterosexual couple. In some, you know, off tour tourist season hotel by the seaside. And or that's something. where I think that she didn't get recuperated back into heterosexuality no. because like even though this does fall into the trope of the lesbian must die, like the tragic mm-hmm. lesbian kind of thing. Another one comes to take her place. Yeah. Like the original evil's vanquished, but that doesn't mean that all that it spread is also by extension mm-hmm. vanquished. It's like, no, that here's here's generation two, like it's still and going. I kind of loved that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's that. Unic- I'm, I'm sure it wasn't, you know, none of these were making any really big, like, political points or anything. Right. But it's a cool, like, plays with your expectations. Yeah, for in sure. In that way. And it's like, ooh, shit. Like, yeah. she did, she, oh, she's a, she's a badder bitch than we thought. Like, good for her, I guess. Yeah. No, for um, all its faults, I probably liked this one the best mm-hmm. so far, at Me least. Me too. Just because I think it really played with that mm-hmm. kind of, like, the notion of, like, the vampire lesbianism, like, conflating the two in a very blunt way. And yes. then... Um, yeah, subverts your of, expectations yeah, in so many exactly. other ways. And I, I really liked that about it. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Okay, and our final movie of the night is Fascination from 1979 by uh, Jean Roland, I think. <laughs> I, I, I Seriously, I've lost count of how many times I've almost called him Henry Rollins. So it's just like, <laughs> not, not quite the same dude. Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's like, not quite. No. Yeah. I guess um, I do the movies too. Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. He never died. I still haven't seen that one, though. It's actually kind of good. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Remember him from Feast as the motivational speaker? Yeah, that's what I've seen him in. (laughs) Yeah. Nicole, you had mentioned that this one, it was, uh, you sort of picked this movie, and then you're like, your your expectations of it were different from how you perceived it when you watched it. And I felt that was me, as far as our topic of, like, lesbianism in vampire movies, because it's one of those things where it's like, I probably could have picked a billion other genre on movies that would have fit the bill a little better, <laughs> but I don't know, Fascination's the one that always sticks out in my head. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think, like, it's also his most popular film, too, mm. which I, I don't know why, but, yeah, once I started watching it and it ended, I was kind of like, eh, like, this is, like, it's there. But it's not quite, like, where it could be. But I think it's because, yeah, like, as we kind of mentioned, like, he definitely favors imagery over, like, script substance. And I guess you just kind of have to take it like that, and that's it. Yeah, and I don't know, it's interesting, because I find with a lot of the uh, Euro cult kind of movies, you have to... A lot of them, when you try to boil it down to the script level, they, they just fall apart. Like, we watch Vampires Lesbos from this one, and it's like, at a certain point, we stop trying to follow. Yeah, I think exactly. about 10 minutes in, I just kind of accepted. I'm like, there's not going to be it's a like, this is plot just a here. surreal, <laughs> surreal weirdness. Yeah. And I think that's good, too. So, yeah. if they can film it so it looks, it's nice to look at, then. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all it's. Yeah, just yeah. kind of temper your expectations going yeah. in. It's funny, though, because uh, he's famous for his vampire movies, but I find that his uh, flick. Grapes of Death is probably the one that I could do a, a 
clo- the closest critical reading on it as being oh, totally. something all about class and all that. Mm, yeah, Have you ever fine. seen Grapes of Death? No, but is that the one that takes place just in the graveyard? Um, no, sort of. It's a, a vineyard in oh. France, and uh, there's something wrong with the wine. Oh. <laughs> it, it's it's fun. It's uh, it is. he's done what vampires and zombies are like his two main exports, and mm. this falls into a zombie camp in vampire movies. <laughs> yeah, like that's his thing. He's just like I like vampires. That's it. Have you seen uh, any of his other vampire movies? Um, I've seen Lips of Blood and Re- Requiem for a Vampire. I oh yeah, it's called yeah. I always try and just like pick his movies based on like screenshots that I've seen. I'm like that looks beautiful. I'll watch it. Nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, sort of the imagery and, and how, how nice it looks, that was one thing that struck me about Fascination is just it fits nicely into the you got the big gothic architecture in the middle of like the French woods and just these sort of dreamlike shots of them milling around the castles. I'm thinking specifically of when she's got the big cloak and the scythe and she's just walking up and down the courtyard and it's like, I don't know, he, I find so many of his movies have this dreamlike haze to how they're shot. And there's something about the movies from the 70s that hit that dream quality so well that today you see a lot of people's like, hey, this is going to be a dream sequence. And it's like, okay, it was not dreamlike at all. Like, <laughs> cool, I'll me, go with it. So it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I find that his films, he's like the definition of like true goth, like true gothic with like, mm-hmm. yeah, the dark black cloaks and like the haunted castles or like, yeah, like in the woods and there's fog and like, mm-hmm. yeah, this kind of like mystical lighting. Like he is the true goth. Yeah. <laughs> goth king. That's a good oh way God. to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. So many of these movies kind of blur together for me because I get into a mood where it's like, I want to watch these movies and I watch like three of them in a row. And then it's just like, I don't remember where one started <laughs> yeah. and one ended. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> and I think they, he uses like a lot of the same like actresses and stuff mm-hmm. too, so I can see why everything would just meld together. Like that one in particular, the yeah, the one in the, in the robe, the uh, Bridget Lay. She's um, I don't know how to pronounce it again because of the French. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's such good Canadians over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Our education system failed us. Alberta, Alberta. Yeah. <laughs> that's different. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I should just be saying y'all all the yeah. time, and I'll be hitting it. Um, <laughs> She's also in uh, Grapes of Death and right. Night of the Hunted, which is, that's another one that we watched. We watched it when your leg was broken and you were all like, oh, that was on pain meds, so yeah. I think that you might have been in your own little fever dream Possibly. during the fever dream. <laughs> yeah, she's also an adult film actress, or what yep. was, I assume, I don't know if she's still alive, I don't know what her I think she is, is. Yeah. Okay. She followed us on Twitter, so I hope she's still oh, alive. Oh, nice! <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Mind you, we had Teresa Khan as a state, like follow us on Instagram. Well, I'm pretty sure she's cool. still alive. Teresa Tana, not so much, but... No, that, that's yeah. what I, I mean, yeah. though, is, like, her estate followed yes. us, no. so <laughs> that's... It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, is pretty cool. <laughs> I'd like to think it's her ghost, like, operating the account. It's just, like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've come back from beyond the grave just yeah. to, like, tell my approval Just give me thumbs you. up yeah. for saying fuck Tarantino yeah. in, the, in the episode about me. Um, <laughs> like, personal shopper? You guys oh yeah, yeah. Same, same thing. There you go. We're <laughs> just getting texts from, yeah. from all these uh, cult stars of the seventies. Love it. I'd be into that. That's actually like a good short film idea. That would be. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. No kidding. <laughs> oh man, Vincent Price is just like bugging me again, saying like, "Hey man, you can get some Dominoes for later." <laughs> yeah, Ghost Vincent Price is my roommate. <laughs> Goodness. But yeah, no fascination. Yeah, Ooh, that's uh, tangent number one. I'm sure more will follow. <laughs> yeah, um, that's okay. This uh, movie opens with 
this dude trying to escape from his a, a band of bandits, I guess, that uh, they done some kind of crime together and he tries to make off their money. And what the fuck was it you said about this crew? They look like they're part of a traveling circus with their outfits and stuff. And then the dude in particular who's trying to, like, escape, he just... I saw him and it's like, oh, with, to no panic at the disco existed in 79. Yeah, they definitely have the outfits. That's for sure. It's just like... He has a look. Emo Sergeant Pepper. That's kind of what's going on with their, their, their wardrobe. It's pretty choice. Um, but he, he goes to this big Gothic manor castle out in the woods where he stumbles across these two women that seem to be the only ones there. And what ensues is, oh, Jesus, I'm not even sure. Like, <laughs> I saw this two weeks ago, and it's already kind of like the order of events yeah. just sort of jumbled in my head. Um, yeah, what ensues? He, he's there, and they want to keep him there for a party in the evening, but it's a secret party. So they go mm. through a, a bunch of motions to try and keep this handsome man in their castle. Okay, that tracks, that tracks. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting how this one configures into the notion of lesbianism in vampire movies, in vampire cinema, because mm-hmm. it's definitely there, but you also have this, uh, as you put it, this handsome man that they're trying to keep for the party. So it sort of skews that idea, too, because... Because uh, they're bisexual vampires. There you go, they don't tap genre. Actually, I find so many of these movies that that is exactly the genre. Yeah, because by lesbian they mean like aesthetically only, not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like that uh, L word episode. My aesthetic is vampire lesbian kind of thing. It's like, yeah, that that's a, that's a look. <laughs> um, and they're kind of like more cannibals than vampires in this movie, or like not cannibals, mm. but. Like, there's no blood sucking. There's just blood drinking. Yeah, they right. they don't... Yeah. Much like, um... What was the other one we watched? Vampires Lesbos. Uh, the mechanics of vampirism kind of put to the wayside in that there is the blood drinking, and there is the sort of sensuality mix, mixed with the predatory aspect of the feeding on another person. But beyond that, you know, we we have shots of them admiring themselves in the mirror. They're walking around in the daytime. It's mm-hmm. not... It's playing, like, nice and loose with the rules, which... Mm-hmm. You know, that's great. I mean, we talked about uh, Bob Clark's Death Dream as a vampire movie earlier on, and that's a ex-Vietnam vet with a syringe right. stealing people's blood. Well, this one actually made me think more of, um, like, witchcraft and witches. Oh, yeah. Specifically in folklore, there's, um, I'd have to look it up, the name of this story, but when I took that Scandinavian folklore class, we talked about witches, mm-hmm. and there was one story where the women in the town are, like, disappearing at night, and so some, like, farm boy kid follows them. And they all are gathering at this party where Satan himself is there. And as their tribute to him, they each give him a glass of their menstrual blood to drink. As, like, to, like, s- signify their bond or whatever. But when they're talking about having this party, this secret gathering of ladies, and Satan himself is going to be there. I was like, hey, that's, like, the witch story. Not uh, vampires. What was this witch story from? Um, it's Scandinavian folklore okay, story, cool. folk tale or something. Yeah. I'm assuming from one of your uh, classes yeah. you took. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. That sounds fun. <laughs> it's funny because that reminds me of uh, aspects of movies like The Witch. And, right. And yeah. That. Exactly. So, so. It's. Uh... But we um we were watching 
some, or I guess it will be for the next episode, but one of the movies we were watching, it seemed like they were kind of collapsing. Like, is she a witch? Is she a vampire? That was Black Sunday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are they going for here? Because just like, we've got to kill the vampire. She's a witch. And it's just like, Okay. <laughs> we're gonna put her on the stake and burn her and it's like they oh, really oh. played loose of that like there's this part where it's just like oh we have to stake her no wait burn her at the stake and it's just Actually, like hold just on what? scoop out her eyeballs <laughs> her left eye at yeah, least <laughs> it's a uh, but hey I, I don't know I'm not a traditionalist so I'm, I'm okay with with this uh, <laughs> yeah. fucking of the rules the rules yes. <laughs> yeah what do you make of the title fascination Hmm. Like that almost feels like him like commenting on his own fascination, like, ah, oh, yes, gorgeous women yeah. making out, and then a fog rolls <laughs> in. Like, Boobies. <laughs> yeah. Sean Rowland's fascination. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah, actually, when the film finished, um, I thought that too. I was like, okay, like, what's with the title? Like, mm-hmm. well, isn't there some kind of? Um, I don't think this would have anything to do with it, but I thought of it when I'm trying to think of the title was like fascinators. Isn't that like some kind of? Like a headpiece or something fashion related, but that feels like even further away. I know. From, yeah. from <laughs> I'm just trying to go with the word. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe like the only reason why the guy stayed is his like fascination with true. the women. Maybe that's a good point. That's yeah. true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Or they kind of like gave him this like fascination to have him stay it, till midnight, kind of thing. Like they kind of yeah. like hypnotized him in a way. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, because it's interesting Maybe that it's he, better was, judgment. he was pinned down because of those bandits after him, but it took them a long time to catch up to him. So he did a long pit stop that ended yes. up with him with his back to the wall briefly. But then it doesn't take much for the the whole crew of bandits to be taken out mm-hmm. in like the sort of like centerpiece action of the movie. And then he's like, oh... I'm just going to party with these ladies in the mansion. (laughs) (laughs) My life sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I got vibes from Daughters of Darkness in this one with Mm -hmm. the sort of, like, betrayal, like, the lesbian relationship betrayal going on. Right. Why is that so common in these sort of stories? Like, in lesbian uh, interest, um, not that Jean Roland was like, ah, yes, I'm making a movie for lesbians (laughs) to, like, really enjoy and savor. (laughs) Yeah, they'll identify and see themselves in this movie. He's Franco. They're in good company. <laughs> um, it's uh, But betrayal is constant. Like, mm-hmm. I made a crack about the L word earlier, and it's like, isn't that kind of that show's whole gambit? <laughs> it's just like, hey, let's be shitty at each other, and then have drama ensue. Um, so what do you make of the betrayal that occurs between the couple that's at the center of the movie for most of it? And then uh, I, this guy becomes between them. It's almost like a reverse of when we're talking about uh, the Carmilla story, where it's like the heterosexual couple that's broken up by the lesbian intruder. It's the lesbian couple that's broken up by the heterosexual intruder. Mm-hmm. And Jean Roland takes a lot from C- Carmilla as well, mm-hmm. so maybe it was kind of like a little bit of a reversal on that. Oh, yeah. It's been a long time since I read Carmilla. Have you read this one? Uh, no, not entirely. I've read, like, a little bit mm. of, like, expert, er, excerpts. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, because I know that's kind of the foundational text mm-hmm. for any sort of, like, that's why people think, oh, yes, lesbianism and vampirism, they work together. It's, you've got this story. It could have to do with the, um, the lesbian vampires as outsiders and trying to recuperate them into heterosexuality. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Like, rather than taking some, you know, good heterosexual woman and leading her astray, they're already off the beaten path and 
already astray. <laughs> I guess they've right. been led in leading their lives astray. And because um, it's interesting that they both kind of go after him in this one. It's not yeah. just like one party is taken. It's both. There it turns into like competition almost. Yeah. Or at least it's really competitive for the one. It, it's kind of bringing it back to what you're saying about Dracula's daughter, where um, they're almost too far gone to be recuperated, mm-hmm. so someone has to die. That's true, yeah. I mean, if you're following the idea of the idea that the lesbianism is a dalliance from normalcy, quote unquote, I wish that there was just like a sound effect I could play for air quotes. Scare quotes, yeah. Yeah, turn into like morning radio show host with their soundboard. Woo! (laughs) Wooga. Oh, kill me. Uh, what do you two make of, like, the moat and the bridge that was, like, such a reoccurring imagery in the film? Like, they, all the important stuff kind of happened on the moat mm-hmm. and on the bridge of the moat. That kind of ties into the vampire legend, you know, like a sort of a subversion of that where, you know, the Dracula can't cross. Running water. Running water, even though he comes on a fucking boat. Like, that's <laughs> the story of Dracula. It's like, I'm just going to get on the ship and cross the ocean and then... We've got vampire folklore saying, like, oh, but they can't cross running water and all that. I guess he crossed the, the ocean, found out he can't cross running water there, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and he's like, oh, now I'm stuck. <laughs> the rules apply to me here, He not uh, there. discursively formed this <laughs> phobia. Um, but that kind of imagery undoes a lot of the vampire thing, which is interesting, because I know that... Doesn't that imagery come up a lot in Lips of Blood as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's basically, like, almost the same set. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, like a giant castle and water and fog and etc so yeah yeah because that's that's a good point it's uh they're in this big gothic castle thing but other than like a parlor room and a couple adjoining rooms most of the action takes out on the grounds around it Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you make of it um i was just kind of thinking like so much talk of life and death and the castle kind of represents like life and then um the thief comes in and he is like death and he brings death into their mm-hmm. castle because like she ends up killing eva like her her love and um and then like eva like kind of goes out across the moat and comes back as literally death like she's in right. a cloak with a scythe so like the mm-hmm. grim reaper yeah it's very uh iconic imagery that's for sure yeah so it's kind of what and yeah like eva dies on um on the bridge and same with the like, the woman thief that was part mm-hmm. of the, the group, she also dies on there, so... That's interesting. It's the crossroads, it's the river sticks. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a liminal space. <laughs> you know, it does seem very, like, kind of, like, lim- that in-between space where it's mm-hmm. kind of up in the air. Like, one side is very sort of, like you said, life, and then the death comes in, and this is sort of the, like, meeting spot of the two, I guess, and the crossing from one to the other. And that is... um with the moat around a castle kind of like bordering everyone off is it's mm-hmm. sort of that crossing is disrupting that sanctuary. Of, Absolutely. You know, they, they're saving the castle, these uh, two women to sort of go, what, the the rest of the, the party's not there yet, so they've just got the castle to themselves and they don't have a care in the world, it seems, mm-hmm. until this bandit comes across, um, like you mentioned, sort of bringing death to, to everyone. handsome man bandit. Handsome Amanda. The man came and he brought death. <laughs> oh, jeez, I feel like I um, need to do a mashup of this in Miss 45. <laughs> Just cut yeah. it together and see what you get. <laughs> yeah, song mashups are a thing. When are we going to see more movie mashups? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when deep fake technology becomes more available to the masses. <laughs> we'll make it happen. There you go. Perfect, perfect. 
So, like, one thing I noticed is that all of the weapons um, is, like, this super, like, kind of phallic imagery. So he comes in with his gun and he threatens them with his gun, um, but they kind of, like, hit him back with, like, their knives and they both have knives. Yeah, so when him and Eva are having sex, like, that's when his, like, gun is taken away from him. From And then um, when the thieves come and then Eva kills like the head of the bandits kind of thing it's mm-hmm. again like with a knife after they have sex so i don't know maybe that's maybe that's something to kind of very penetrative maybe, kind of yeah. murders mm-hmm. i feel like that's sort of trying to to study like violence and weaponry from a psychosexual thing like it typically is sort of a phallic mm-hmm. kind of exchange like we need uh the flying guillotine which is like that box that flies onto people's heads <laughs> and chops them off and stuff like that so that's if you want to get yannick with it and all that stuff just pushing people off into a chasm over and over again it's so just like, like there you giant, go like that's fly traps. but I, I get what you mean it's uh, the weapons do kind of come up with the the sex yeah. they're tied together in this movie a little more explicitly than say well, I was going to say your standard action movie gunfight, but it's like, that's phallic imagery all over the place. <laughs> just a bunch of muscly dudes blasting each other. Yeah, I was like, that is, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I don't think, like, Jean Roland, like, thought of these things while he was making the movie, but it, it comes from, like, it comes from him and his, like, artistic yeah. kind of mm-hmm. view. So it's worth kind of thinking about and looking into. Yeah, and even if it wasn't intentional, it's still there. Mm-hmm, to, to, exactly. It's in the context yeah. of mm-hmm. a lot of that being intentional. Yeah. <laughs> lot of their places yeah i think a lot of the stuff that he's put into his films is just by accident but like now we can kind of draw from it and be like haha like look what you did it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. uh, you have to wonder at what point did tarantino start intentionally being like feed <laughs> and when was it just like oh wow people are pointing out there's feet all the time in my movies and i didn't notice it before i was just being a dirty bird like, I guess there's probably nothing like being an auteur filmmaker to really have the world become your psychotherapist. Just, like, really looking at you. It's like, wow, you have a fixation on this thing here. And it's like, oh, no, I didn't even notice. Also, it's, like, such a Euro horror thing, too. Like, mm-hmm. even you look like Argento's films, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of similar. Like, it's always knives. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious what Argento's fixation with a woman's head smashing through plate glass (laughs) that happens in so many of them. It's like in Inferno, it's in Tenebrae, it's in Suspiria, it's in Phenomena. Yeah. (laughs) Just that slow motion shot of the head going through and it's just like, is this meant to represent like through the looking glass by way of a birth or something like (laughs) (laughs) crowning through the looking glass um yeah i don't know same with like fulci's eye trauma yeah Mm -hmm. like eyeballs ahoy that's one thing i can't deal with like the eye stuff yeah Yeah. eye stuff so thankfully there's not a lot of eye trauma and fascination Mm -hmm. there you go bringing it back around (laughs) um okay one thing i kind of wrote down was that Roland kind of has like this idea of like vampiric feminine figure kind of is like the superior kind of being so maybe he views lesbians as like the superior woman maybe in his own kind of way he kind of presents women and like female vampires as a figure of like power and enlightenment it's like almost a reverence in the way they come across on the film yeah and because it's in like all of his filmography hmm because I suppose if um, we do think of uh, the vampire as what I think we talked about this earlier in the episode, uh, 
we didn't come up with this, but the idea that the vampire is this sort of like hypersexual monster because of the way it preys and feeds on people. Like you've got Dracula um, with the very bosomy like maiden from the village as he's sucking her blood. Like that image is just kind of seared in our head. And then how much vampire romance mm-hmm. there is out there that to have the female vampire you have to either flip the script completely or it's going to queer the script. And I suppose that is what Roland's doing. Uh, but it's interesting to think of the idea that because of his obsession that he's viewing it through this lens of superiority and just sort of putting them up on a pedestal. Maybe they're... So, like, it's kind of like this cult of, like, women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, maybe they're in, like, this kind of, like, alternate world that's, like obviously kind of like a flipped script from like the classic like male vampire is like their queerness is actually being interested in this um like male thief kind of like it's like they're queering their yeah like their queer state yeah. of being <laughs> oh that's wild reverse it's, queering <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's like the addition of like you know like two two wrongs make a right thing or two <laughs> rights make a wrong just huh yeah, if your if your whole universe is so queer, what's queer anymore? <laughs> We're getting into some like graduate studies gender theory. Oh, but it makes me wonder how many of his movies do they end up being punished or defeated, vanquished, or anything like that? Because a lot of the lesbian vampire stories end with the recuperation being through the slaying of the lesbian mm-hmm. in in the story. And in this one, you have a mixed bag where it's like the couple is disrupted. But at the same time, it ends with this huge blood orgy feast thing going on, and they don't... I, I don't know, it's like, yeah, you, you undid the lesbian relationship, but you also had these this gang of predatory woman man-eaters literally eating a dude. Mm-hmm. So, it's hard to say where he sits. Yeah, it's a bit more ambiguous that. in this one. Yeah, because I, I know... Some of his other movies, it's similar fates mm-hmm. for a lot of the characters, but it's not quite as direct, I would say, as it is in, say, um, Dracula's Daughter, right. for example. Yeah, I feel like ultimately this one in particular, his movies, sort of has the veneer of queerness without necessarily being super deep on what it's mm. saying, but I, I do think genre, I honestly. do think the uh, flipping of the script. Well, that's kind of the problem if you're looking at queer horror yeah. or from a queer perspective is like so much of it is reading into it because aesthetically you know lesbians. these directors like you mentioned uh with Ron's not intending certain things but they are across the board in his movies that's kind of like trying to read these movies mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot of our readings on the podcast that's for sure <laughs> that's what we do yeah there's subtext or the subtext <laughs> yeah. I do like a little subtext with my subtext so. <laughs> Well, so I guess that's about that on the amorphous categorization of the lesbian vampire in film. I felt like this was going to be such an easy topic to talk about when we started, and some of the movies were a little easier than others, but it's interesting how much these movies just kind of fuck up that, that what we assume to be their own concept kind of thing. Like, Yeah, there's a lot more variance than we give it credit for. Yeah, is this like viewer assumption going in, or... I don't know, it's, it's kind of hard to really say. <laughs> um, that said, uh, we do have some recommendations. And uh, since you're our guest today, Nicole, what, what would you recommend people check out? 
So, like, my ultimate favorite horror movie is The Shining, and the remastered um, version is out now, so I would watch that. Kind of more into, like, blood drinking kind of cannibalism. We kind of mentioned it earlier, but Raw from 2016, I think. And then um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which is my ultimate favorite vampire movie. Excellent. So good. We are big-time Sheila Band appreciators here, so... No, those are some great choices, and I know that I want to kind of rewatch all of those because it's been too long. I know Raw we covered like a yeah. few months ago, but it's been too long because yes. that movie's so fucking good. <laughs> um, how about yourself, Aria? What, what would you recommend? Um, to keep with the sort of homoerotic vampire movies, I couldn't think of any lesbian ones, so I'm gonna go with um, Interview with a Vampire. Yeah, no, no lesbian vampires, but definitely vampire homoeroticism. Uh, so, no, that's a good choice, good choice. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually seen it. So mm-hmm. I watched yeah. it on an airplane once. Good for you. <laughs> and uh, my recommendation is going to be 1972's The Blood Spattered Bride. And why I'm recommending this is this is the movie I thought Daughters of Darkness was. Oh. <laughs> I totally fucked that up. And I'm kind of glad I did because we got a lot out of Daughters of Darkness and I really Definitely. dug that movie. But this one is just in-your-face nasty exploitation sexploitation kind of uh grotty 70s movie just it was one of those ones that was kind of made with the trailer in mind like how do we cut together this exploitation trailer to bring people in who cares if the movie's a mess or not and it's kind of a delightful mess so it's um sounds more like my recommendation aligned with our expectations for this week yeah, that one probably would be the most lesbian vampire of all the movies we covered, and we didn't even cover it. So maybe <laughs> when we get around to our brain fart festival, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, one last time, your film series. Uh, not Your Final Girl film series, October 17th to 20th at the Metro Cinema. Take it easy and keep it sleazy.